We all know that the first mitzvah the Jewish people were given was the mitzvah of HaChodesh HaZelachim, to establish a lunar-based calendar. And we read about it on Shabbos Pashas HaChodesh just before, or right at the beginning of Chodesh Nisan. Now, the Rebbe is going to explore the fact that, obviously, HaChodesh is related to a Shabbos, but sometimes it will coincide with a specific date, and that's significant. In this case, we're going to look at when Shabbos Parashas HaChodesh coincides with Chof Hei Adar, which, according to Rabbi Yoshua, is the day of the beginning of creation of the world. We're also going to look at what Rashi says right at the beginning of the Torah. How come it is that if HaChodesh is the first mitzvah of the Torah, that's not what the Torah begins with? And... Putting it all together, we'll ask a few questions on how Rashi presents that particular question, but it will all teach us a lesson about the importance of, as Jewish people, translating what we are all about, which is defined by the mitzvah of HaChodesh, into the reality of the world that we live in, which is defined by the creation, which according to Rabbi Yeshua starts on Chofei Adar. Besides the fact that, of course, the days of the week and the days of the month follow very different um, cycles. They're independent cycles, like the day of the week does not necessarily have to coincide with a particular day of the month. So therefore, if you have a date that is specific to the calendar, like the 15th of Nisan is always Pesach, and then it coincides with a specific day of the week, namely Shabbos, we have to then conclude that the two types of holiness that coincide on the same day, same day, the fact that it is Shabbos because of the cycle of the weeks, and the fact that it is a Yomtev because of the cycle of the days of the month, so you expect that they're two completely independent concepts. There's an idea of Shabbos, which happens weekly. There's an idea of this particular Yomtev that only happens this time of the year. <coughs> You'd assume that they have no cor- correlation connection at all. But that's not really the case. But of course we know that every single thing that happens in the world and certainly things that are related to Torah are very precise and are by divine providence. You have to conclude that the fact that this particular day of the month happens to coincide with this particular day of the week so that implies, that implies that there's got to be a connection between them, and not only has there to be a connection between them, but it's the fact that they coincide actually creates the connection between them. And we'll give an example uh, briefly what the Gemara says in Zvochim. The Gemara tells us in Zvochim, the Gemara there is talking about the, the, the fact that what happens when you have a coincidence of Rosh Chodesh and Shabbos, and you have to bring the Korban Musaf for Rosh Chodesh, and you have to bring the Korban Musaf for Shabbos. And the Gemara talks about the fact that obviously, if it was just Rosh Chodesh as a standalone, the holiness of Rosh Chodesh would impact the day. So now that it's Shabbos, obviously the holiness of Rosh Chodesh must also impact the day of Shabbos as well. To the extent that when you now on Shabbos bring the Musaf that belongs to Shabbos, it is no longer just an ordinary Musaf of Shabbos. It is now a Musaf that also has some of the power and holiness of the Musaf of Rosh Shabbos. And there the Gemara talks about the fact, and Rashi talks about it, that the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh has an additional holiness that even the Musaf of Shabbos would not have, and it imparts some of that holiness to Shabbos. Kumtois, which teaches us 
As a shaykh is enough to a hand from the shaykhish, it's not in the tog, where is in a prat when you made a shaykhish. So that shows us now that the power of Rosh Chodesh is not limited only to the fact that it is the date on the calendar month, which is Rosh Chodesh. But it has an influence on the Shabbos. The Shabbos would always be a holy day. But now that it coincides with Rosh Chodesh, the Shabbos is a Rosh Chodesh-styled Shabbos, a Rosh Chodesh-themed Shabbos, and it's got some of the power and impact of Rosh Chodesh. So that we can apply the same logic to our circumstances when we're talking about Parshas HaChodesh. Despite the fact that Shabbos HaChodesh is always going to be about a Shabbos, it's not linked to a specific date on the calendar. So obviously it feels like it's very much a Shabbos-oriented day. In the minion of Achedesh, when the Bashtim Tog in Yemei Achedesh, when Shabbos Parashas Achedesh faltos. However, we can and should still apply some uh, attention to the fact that if it coincides, if Shabbos Achedesh coincides with a particular date, that that's got something to teach us. Uladugma. Therefore, in the year that Rebbe said the Sicha, Shabbos Achedesh coincided with Chofei Adar. Which, according to Rabbi Yeshua, who argues that the creation of the world happened in the month of Nisan, and therefore Chofei Adar is actually the first day of creation, there has to be a connection. So, in order to work out what that connection is, we're going to explore what Shabbos Achodesh is all about, what the mitzvah of Achodesh represented by the Shabbos illustrates to us as Jewish people, and then we'll correlate that with the idea of Chofei Adar as a possible time of the creation of the world. Shteta Medrash. Medrash tells us that by rights the Torah should have begun obviously with the story of HaChodesh because it's the first mitzvah that we were given. So now here's an important point. When we describe the order of how things work out in Torah, that's very specific. It's designed with a very specific intention. So now you realize it's not just that it should have been the first mitzvah because chronologically it was the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people. It's more than that. That's telling us that Rosh Chodesh or the concept of HaChodesh must be a foundation of the whole of Yiddishkeit. And that's why it should have appeared chronologically first. And that's why the Medrash says the Torah should have started with it, not only because of where it appeared historically, but because it represents everything about what Judaism is. So what is it? That tells us that the beginning of and the foundation of all mitzvahs is the principle of HaChodesh. So what is that principle? The Birindem is Chazal. So in order to understand this, we'll have a look at another Medrash where the Chazal tell us about what does it mean, that this month of Nisan will be for you, the beginning of your months. Says the Medrash, we're talking obviously about Chodesh Nisan. So there's the first clue. Nisan is a time of Geula. So what is the foundation of the whole of Torah mitzvahs? Is the idea and notion of Geula, of breaking out of an element of Golos. Um, so then the Medrash says that when Hashem created the world, He made a beginning of a cycle of nature. And then when He chose Yaakov and His children, in other words, B'nai Yisrael, to become His special nation, 
he gave them a new cycle, a cycle of Geula. Das heißt, as the Avodah von Yagav of one of Kirmah Mitzvahs, is to ufton the minion from Geula in Olam Bochah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Be'olamoy. That immediately tells us that the whole purpose of all of our Yiddishkeit is that we should establish, we should achieve the concept of Geula in the world. That's why it says, when Hashem chose His world, and then when He chose the Yidden. So our job is to bring Geula to the world, and how we do to how do we do that through Torah Mitzvahs. So the foundation of Torah Mitzvahs is the notion of Geula. The natural state of the world is to be in the reality of Golos. As we well know, the word Oilam comes from the word Helam, which means it's in a state of darkness, concealment, you don't see godliness. That is the natural state of the world. That's the natural state. Godliness is completely concealed in our world, left in its raw state. Even though when you're in this world, you might come to an awareness of the fact that the world has an owner, has a director, which is Hashem. But there's a limit to which the world illustrates to us the fact that the world has a controller. So for example, you look at nature and you say, this cannot happen on its own, and it's so finely tuned, and it's so perfectly balanced. There has to be something, someone, some force that directs it all. But that's as far as it will go. It will only help us to appreciate Hashem as in the control of the things that we can witness. To say it in a different way, the world only facilitates us having a relationship with or an appreciation of Eloikus that is calibrated to and limited to the realities of our world. So the world will allow us to see those things. But what Torah Mitzvah allows us is an opportunity to break out of all of that and not only to recognize Hashem in the context of a world and its natural processes controlled by a higher force, but to be able to relate to Elekus, which is completely beyond all of that, beyond nature, beyond the world, beyond rules, beyond anything that we can observe. How do we get there? Through Torah Mitzvahs. So now comes the really important element of what we're going to learn in the Sikha. Our job as, as Yidin is to do Torah Mitzvahs, which is to take us out of the Golos of the world. Golos means the perceptions of the world that are so limiting. So Torah Mitzvahs allow us to appreciate something which is completely beyond what the world would give us vision of. To acknowledge Hashem as He is completely beyond the world. So that is Geula. Not only is our objective geula, but the methodology that we have to use, the way that we're supposed to do Torah mitzvahs, is in a geula way. Now we have to understand what does it mean to do Torah mitzvahs in a geula way. So if the goal of being Jewish is to be able to break the world out of its blindness, so then I, as a Jewish person, the practitioner of Torah Mitzvahs, which is going to achieve this, I have to break out of my own blindness, which means to say that I have to recognize that doing Torah Mitzvahs has to be in a way of cheros. I have nothing that can limit me, nothing that can stop me from doing what Hashem expects of me. So that means, there is literally no obstacle to me performing Torah Mitzvahs because I am in a state of cheros, in a state of gula, in a state of freedom. And a different open mentis, taking that maybe one notch deeper, it means as I eat So my job is to take the world out of its natural state. In order to achieve that, I have to take myself out of my natural state. 
Sein Tonin Abed das Hashem ist nicht bei Granitz zu nur zu den Jonim, welche hat er Geschmack mit Zativa. In other words, that a person doesn't only engage in those parts of Judaism which he enjoys, which he appreciates, relates to, has a Geschmack. Und in Zei Gufa ist ein Chais nur für so viel es Monsach mit Zad sein Teva. And even then, let's be honest, even those things that I enjoy, I only dedicate myself to them to the extent that my natural self would allow. So the goal is to do every one of the Torah mitzvahs with an incredible, incredible energy and enthusiasm which comes from the depths of my neshama. That would be my personal geula, and my personal geula would facilitate the geula of the world. So the objective of Torah mitzvahs is to take the world out of Golos, to open its eyes to a state of geula, recognition of Hashem, totally beyond all the, re the, the realities of nature. And the method to achieve that is that each of us as individuals has to break out of our own personal goddess, which is our personal natural state, to have the kind of highest enthusiasm for Torah Mitzvah, which, which comes from the depths of our neshama, not from the reality of our natural being. And All of that is encapsulated in the expression ha-chodesh, which comes from the word chodesh, something which is fresh, new, and innovative. The way that we do Torah Mitzvah shouldn't be as if it's something which is old, something which we're very used to. We kind of blase, we've been there, done that. But our attitude and approach to Torah Mitzvah should be that every day Torah Mitzvah is brand new. Brand new. Which obviously would then mean that we dedicate to Torah Mitzvahs with an incredible dedication and an incredible enthusiasm. And the way that you would see that in practice would be that we do every one of the Torah Mitzvahs in the most beautiful fashion possible. So we don't just get away with the basics, we completely invest in our Torah Mitzvahs in the best way possible. So, how can you demand of people, of, of us, that we should do Torah Mitzvahs in a way that it's fresh and new all the time? The reality is I'm a human and I have a body and my body has now become habituated and this is what I do. I learn Torah, I do Mitzvahs, it's who I am. So how do, how do I find this freshness and this newness and this chayos that isn't necessarily naturally there? As long as a person is trapped by the parameters of his own natural reality and sense of self, then you're, you actually are stuck and you cannot break out of it because this is me and life is about me and I am who I am and I'm stuck. But when a person is able to break out and leap out of their own ego and self. Which means that a person achieves Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in the most deep personal way. Breaking out of the restrictive nature of a person's own self. Then it is possible that a person could actually do Torah on an ongoing basis with a freshness and newness as if it was the first time you were doing it. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's our objective. That's our challenge as Jewish people. Not just to be observant, not just to do what Hashem wants, but to do it with this freshness as if today was the first time I was ever doing it. Which means I throw my all into it and I do it in the best way possible. So, Kemen Meinen. So a person will say, that's great, it makes sense, I get it 100%, we're talking about Torah Mitzvahs, things which are given from Hashem, so they have the potential, and that makes sense. 
Because Terry Mitzvah speak to the nature of my Neshama and my Neshama can do these things. Everybody will acknowledge that in spite of the fact that Torah and mitzvahs are represented in physical terms, right? We do physical mitzvahs with physical things. We learn Torah using physical books during a space of physical time. But we understand that it speaks directly to the neshama, and we understand that the neshama has power, and we get it. This can work. It is possible in the context of Torah and mitzvahs to reach a point of this overwhelming enthusiasm and freshness of Torah and mitzvahs all the time. But... Uh, so there we get it. We get that we can break out of Mitzrayim from the Mitzrayim Magbods from Tepa Guf. So we get it. In, in the context of Terimitsus, because we're operating on, neshama, uh, on the Neshama framework, we can break out of all the barriers and we can really, really do amazing things. But now what happens when we're talking about the fact that we're supposed to do ordinary things with an intention towards heaven? It's your ordinary behavior. In all your ways. Now we're talking about things that are part and parcel of life. Eating breakfast, uh, doing exercise, whatever it is. How are you telling me that there I can have a freshness every single time to break out of my, my golos, my, my natural restrictions, in order to be so fresh and dedicated to Hashem? That doesn't seem to make sense. You're talking about my body now. You're talking about how I engage with and in the world. So yes, of course I have intention to serve Hashem, but it feels very much that this is my world, my stuff, my activities, on my time. So, these are Maisen von Guf. You're talking now the language of the body. So now it doesn't seem to make sense. You're expecting that I should break out of the reality of my physical body at the same time that I'm acting within my physical body. How's that supposed to work? You know, it doesn't seem to make sense. In the context of Terimitsus, I get it, we can do these supernatural things. But in the context of day-to-day life, how do we do the supernatural recreation of self every single time? Save them. So that's what we're going to learn from the, co- the confluence of HaChodesh and the 25th of Adar. That when they come together, that teaches exactly this message. Why? Because HaChodesh is the ambition for Maisa Bereshis. Because at least according to Rabbi Yoshua, 25 Adar is the beginning of the creation of this world where we live, Ma'asecha and Drochecha. That was created on HaChodesh. When HaChodesh coincides with Chofei Adar, the message is you can get the HaChodesh energy into the Chofei Adar reality. You can get the Neshama-based Chidosh and enthusiasm in the physically-based reality of a world created from Chofei Adar. Okay, so we get the principle now. How do you do it? It's a great principle. And it's wonderful to understand that this possibility exists. Now, what do we do with this information? Very often, information is nice in theory. How do you practice it? So, how could it be? How could you have two things which appear to be opposites, the reality of the world and the reality of escaping the world, and they both coexist? How is that even possible? How can you insist that at the same time that I'm very much engaged 
with the human physical reality at that same time I should be beyond the human reality? So the answer to that is because our connection to the world is a Nisan-based connection. Rabbi Eliezer holds that the world was created at Tishrei time, and we know that Tishrei time is a time where everything happens naturally as we're about to see. But our personal relationship with the world is the world as it lives in Nisan reality. We'll see what that means, a Nisan reality for the world. There's no question about it. That uh, And even though there's a debate between Rabbi Yashun and Rabbi Eliezer, both of them are true. How they're both true. You're arguing about a fact. Was the world created at this time or that time of the year? So, Benison is thus given in an oifen von Oliver Machshove Livroy, and the Briber Foil is given by Tishrei. So, the answer that's given in Hasidus is that Nisan is the time where the thought process for creation started, and Tishrei is the time where the actual creation happened in, in practice. And that's relevant. And this dovetails very nicely with what we explained in Kabbalah, that Nisan is the time where the inner realities, the spiritual realities of the world were created, and Tishrei is the time where the outer, the superficial elements of the world, the physical part of the world was created. So Chitzonis Olamus is revealed in Chitzonis Lane in Bosra as a dove before Atzman Ifrit von Elikos. When we talk about the so-called external world, we're talking about the observable world, how we experience the world. There's something independent of Hashem. That's our reality. Let's be honest. When you look out of the window, you don't see Godliness shining at you. You see trees, you see concrete, whatever it is that you see out of your window, and you think of it constantly. We all do. We think of it as that's what it is. We don't think of it as pulsating divine energy. We see it as a, a as a car and a person and a and a tree. This Sabbath is from the Buris, but the Buris are called the Baruch Hashem Maise. But the Buris that Nimshah Bayfen has said, "Oyes legabeni vroim via vod given kvayachal in different from the Baruch." Now that creation called the Chitzoni Yisraelamois, that's the creation that happened through Hashem's speech. Speech is something which appears to become independent from the person. The minute the word is out, you can't take it back. <laughs> it's it's out there now. The rumor mills are working. The words have been shared. They cannot be unshared. Whereas primios oinamus is viveltis primios. There's a deeper dimension how everything of creation, including our physical world, exists at a deeper level of elikus, where it's miyuchot mitelikus, where everything is clearly one with Hashem. And thus is sabas umchinas machshafte yisborek bedugma vilahavte lamata blight machshava alam omiyuchot mitnad macheshev. That part of the, of creation we call that Hashem's thought. Why? Because when you think, it's always part of you, and it doesn't ever get shared with somebody else in the thought level. So it's hundred percent part of you. This is the reality of the world as it is part of Hashem. So Tishrei represents a world that has begun to feel independent and separate from Hashem, and Nisan represents a world that still is absolutely clear that it is one with Hashem, and there is no separation, there cannot be a separation. And So now you can see the connection between the months and these two modes of creation. The primary way that we serve Hashem during Tishrei is Tshuva, which means we who are distant from Hashem move towards Hashem. We who are low move ourselves upwards to connect. The whole notion of Tshuva presupposes that we were obviously distant. That's why we have to return. So we felt a break. We felt a detachment. 
So if you're in the reality of Tishrei, then you're coming from a reality that says, the world is real, prove to me now that there's Hashem, and then I'll approach Hashem, and I'll dirsh Hashem be and I'll do all these things, and all these wonderful things. I'll do those things once I become conscious and I'm able to convince my nefesh that there is actually a God to connect with. That's Tishrei. So Tishrei lives in the reality that the world is true, and Hashem is something we have to come to learn about. The avoid of Nisan is whereas Nisan, that's a time dedicated not to Balei Tshuva. The energy and framework of Nisan is a tzaddik energy, where everything is as it should be, and then it influences downwards from the pristine reality into our context. As mitchatchila korevam yuchut mitelikus, so the nature of Nisan is that right from the start you are close to and connected and one with Hashem. So the reality of Nisan is I know Hashem is absolutely true. Not only is Hashem true, I know that I'm one with Hashem. And there's a world as well. How do I know there's a world? Because I looked in the Torah and the Torah told me there's a world. It said Bereshis Bora, that Hashem created worlds. So it must be a world. It's not my first reality. Something I learned about. So the reality of Nisan is that the world only exists to the extent that Torah allows it to exist. So Tishrei reality mindset is there's a world and now I have to work on myself to escape the world to connect to Hashem. Nisan mindset is there's a world only to the extent that the Torah allows it because the absolute reality is that there's a God. And Hashem also made a world and he writes about the world and these are the parameters within which the world can exist and I can exist in the world. Because our neshama is fundamentally linked obviously to to the deeper, more spiritual reality of the world. To the world as it exists in the realm of thought, one with Hashem as opposed to speech separate from Hashem. Because I have a neshama, and because my neshama is linked into the Nisan thinking, to the machshava reality, therefore I have the potential as a Jewish person to reach a reality that says, God is real, and the world is actually a surprise. And I better find what the Torah has to say about it so that I understand how the world operates and what its parameters are. I can reach a point where the only way that I know that the world exists is because I saw it written in the Torah. Now, if I live at that reality, then every single thing that I do, I do in Torah reality, Torah mode, Torah definition. So why would I then be engaged in the physical world? Only because the Torah said I should. So that's the extent of my involvement in the world, as the Torah said that I should. So therefore, in an oifen called Masech Yudah Shem Shemayim Abuchol Drochecha Do'eyuva Meila Vert Eich Diavayde Giton in oifen von Achidosh Vechidosh Hechel from Medidus Vagbolus von Zayin Metzius Ateva. So the minute I'm operating on the Shama level, everything that I do is directed towards Hashem, and everything that I do is with the enthusiasm and Chidosh of an Hashemah. Because my neshama is beyond the constraints of this world. So I don't have to struggle and battle along with the where am I going to get this chidush from. It's built in. My neshama feels this chidush all the time. 
So that's actually the lesson we're getting from the coincidence of HaChodesh with Chofei Adar. Not Chofei Elul, which describes a world that feels distinct from Hashem. Chofei Adar, which describes a world as it is still very much clear that there's only Hashem and I'm just a part of that. Therefore, HaChodesh, therefore I have the ability to live in this world with a constant enthusiasm and newness and freshness for my Yiddishkeit. Now this principle that is the fuel that allows us the possibility of living in the world, a other world, a world where I'm conscious that it's one with Hashem, so I can have that enthusiasm. Rashi actually alludes to this entire principle in the way in which he poses the question of shouldn't the Torah have started with Achodesh? So he says... Uh, so Rashi says the Torah should have started with Achodesh Hazelachem. Where does he say it? When he comments on the first pasuk in Torah Bereishis. The Lachera is nitglatik. The truth is the two questions about how Rashi says it that don't seem to make sense. Second question has a part A and B. Question number one, Aleph. Kiyodua is nita derch von Rashi to zogen Friedish Schwerigkeit in pasuk and dennoch Feinfrenzi. Everybody knows that Rashi's normal course is not to first tell us what is difficult to understand in the pasuk. And then to explain it. Generally, the, the way that Rashi does things is he just goes straight to the answer, straight to the explanation, so that you realize there was no question in the first place. So how come over here in this Rashi, does Rashi spell out the question for us? It doesn't make sense that the Torah starts with Bereshit because it should have only begun with Achodesh HaZelochem. Why did it begin with Bereshit? And then he gives the answer. Why doesn't he just say, the Torah began with Bereshit in order to teach us that Eretz Yisrael belongs to us? So that's question one. Why does Rashi have to first present the question before the answer, which is out of character? Question number two, Bay is a film is also as we need done. What we need for stand if Schwerkeit and then was possible if race side in the mis free must be detailed on was ahead to me. Just a folk hot second after on a metahedish as a heritage of boy Israel. Okay, let's say, let's say that for whatever reason it is, Rashi had to tell us because we would never have known on our own. We would never have thought there's anything untoward by starting with Bereshis. And therefore, he had to spell it out for us. Let's just say that that's actually true. Is that before the Klating Rashi, there's still two questions to ask on how Rashi presented it, because Rashi seems to include information that we don't need to have. And that's also out of character for Rashi. Rashi is usually very succinct. Why is it relevant when Rashi's asking, how come the Torah, a book of mitzvahs, does not start with a mitzvah? Why is it relevant to know which mitzvah it should have started with? The question is a valid question, even if we don't know that it was HaChodesh HaZelochem. It could have been simple enough for Rashi just to say, why doesn't the Torah start with a mitzvah or the first mitzvah the Jews were given? Why do we have to know it's a chodesh? Secondly, Now once you look at the various mitzvahs, you realize Rashi's question is not only why Bereshis and not a chodesh. Actually, his question is, why the whole Sefer Bereshis? Why do we have to have all of those stories 
which are lechayra, not part of Torah Shabbat didn't need to be part of Torah Shabbat because Chumash is there to teach us how to be Jewish, what to do, what mitzvahs we should do. So why then does Rashi say that the Torah should have started with HaKodesh? It should have said, it should have written HaKodesh. In other words, it's not only the very first detail that should have been HaKodesh, it should have written straight about mitzvahs and skipped all the beautiful stories that preceded. So the explanation will only understand by looking at Rashi through a deeper perspective. Rashi wants us to know that he's not asking a question, why didn't the Torah start with HaKadosh HaZelochem? And then he discards the question and says, actually it should not have started with HaKadosh HaZelochem. Rashi wants us to know that even after we give an explanation why the Torah began with Bereshis, it still is valid to say that the Torah should begin with Achidus as Elohim. Why? Surely, if, as we've already explained earlier in the Sicha, the idea of Achidus as Elohim is the basis and foundation of the whole of Torah, then that remains, and it's not only that it should have been mentioned first, the fact is it remains. The notion of Achodesh HaZelochem remains the underpinning of the whole of Judaism. That's why Rashi starts off his explanation, Dafka using not just a question actually, he's using a very strong language. It should not have been any other way but. What does that mean? What Rashi wants us to appreciate is Bereshis is part of Torah. That's the truth. It is part of a Torah and belongs in Torah. So what Rashi alludes to is not just that the order is incorrect. The Torah should have first started with mitzvahs and the first mitzvah that was given to us and then told us stories. Rashi wants us to know that that concept of Achodesh that is the underpinning even of the story of Bereshis. is going to describe the construction of the world. Hachoidesh is the basis of the construction of the world. How is a Jewish person supposed to engage the world? Dafka, bring the Hachoidesh into the Bereshis. That's what Rashi alludes to. He doesn't say it in as many words, but that's what he alludes to by saying, that the only basis for, for starting the entire process of the world of creation is only the Yidden coming with Torah Mitzvah to bring Geula to that world. Rashi explains this very clearly. He says, why did Hashem first tell us about the story of creation? So that we would know that Hashem controls the parts of the world and decided to give us Eretz Yisrael, which means, Right from the beginning, the Torah wants us to know, the part of the world that belongs to a Goyesha headspace that believes that we're independent of Hashem. That has to be transferred to Jewish ownership. 
That means that means the whole purpose of the world is that the world falls into Jewish hands so that Jewish hands can take the world and give it its context. That the whole world should become a platform for knowing and acknowledging Hashem. That's what Torah is all about. That's what Achodesh Azelochem is all about. That's what Jewish life is all about. Geula. To redeem the world from its constraints and to reveal godliness in the world. How do we do that? By redeeming ourselves from our own constraints to have the Achodesh attitude and experience in every mitzvah that we do. Nochan Inyan in the Mkesha from Achodesh Mitchofei Oden. Now we're going to add one more layer to the story before we wrap it up with a personal lesson. Another layer of connection between Achodesh and Chofei Oden. As we well know, when the Torah spoke about Achodesh HaZelochem, it was talking about Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which means, If we go to Rabbi Yeshua, who says that creation began on Chofeyodar, then Rosh Chodesh Nisan is the day humans were created. And we've already discussed that that is in the level of Machshav. This is exactly what the Medrash was saying. When Hashem chose the Yidden as the special nation, that's when He gave them a Chodesh of Geula. In other words, what it's telling us over here is that this is the day that Hashem decided that there are going to be people. And out of all of those people, there are going to be a central group of people, us, the Yidden. And our purpose is going to be to take the world to its fruition, that it should become a Chodesh HaZelochem. So it's very valuable to look at things in context of Chofei Adar is the beginning of the notion of creation. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Achodesh HaZelochem is where humans arrive on the scene, specifically Yidin arrive on the scene, and they give context and value to the whole of creation. Up until that point, from Chof Hei Adar, until Rosh Chodesh Nisan, why did the world exist? Because the Eivish is kind, and the Eivish is benevolent, and he decided that he's going to allow a world to exist, whether or not it deserves to exist. Now we have a whole new lesson from the idea of a Rosh Chodesh, of a Shabbos HaChodesh, that coincides with Chof Hei Adar. Sorry, Azoich Tchila Sabriya, Vos is Lecher Noor, Mitzad Chof Hei when you put the two together, now you have Chofei Adar. That represents where Hashem in His great, infinite kindness chose to create a world. Chofei Tzchesed. He wants to show, to show kindness. And now it coincides with HaChodesh, Pasha HaChodesh, which means that even when Hashem had that Chofei Tzchesed, even when Hashem had that great kindness to choose to create a world, what was the motivating factor for it? The fact that there's going to be Yidin. As we well know, the Maimah Chazal, that who did Hashem consult in order to create the world? The Nishamas of Tzadikim. Like the Friedrich Rebbe says, that what motivated the entire creation of the world that Hashem was able to so called imagine the great Tainuk pleasure that he would have from our Avoidah. So, what caused the Chafetz Chesed? It's not just that Hashem is so kind and decided to create a world. It's a consciousness of us and the fact that we would bring that world to a state of Gula that created and motivated and precipitated that Chafetz Chesed. So, just to explain exactly what that means. 
Das, was die Bria ist mit Satchofetz Chesed, who is Valkaden in my Bria, das heißt, wie der Ehrlich ist, nach dem ganzen Echel von Geder Elam, es wenn ich freue. Why is there Chofetz Chesed? Why is there a kindness that radiates from Hashem? Why? Because before any of that kindness could exist, at a level of Elikus, which is beyond creation, or even the notion of creation, so we're obviously talking about a reality where human input doesn't touch because there is no human, there's no concept of a human yet. So the only way in which the world could be created can only be because of Hashem's instigation. He chooses to be kind enough to create the world. On the one hand, so even though humans don't exist and the concept of creation doesn't exist and even Torah mitzvahs are not yet, so to speak, defined, so it's purely Eibishter himself of his own volition without any external force working on him, choosing to be kind and create a world, yet the minute he does that, he chooses to make us absolutely integral and valuable and that's what makes the world worthwhile. And that's why the minute there's the Chafetz Chesed, straight away all of the Machshava Hashem has the intention that there's going to be Avoida Sat Sadikim, which will make it all worthwhile. So Chafei Ada represents Hashem's unadulterated input to create a world, straight away linking into Chedesh Elohim, that we're actually the purpose for which Hashem wanted to do that in the first place. Was das Zeynel von der Burim in der Tere von Magid? As the Bria is given Bishwil Shu Yusrod Sadikim Bakhol Do. This actually gives us an insight into something Magdalf Mesrich said that the the Abish created the world so that there would be Sadikim amongst the Yidden in every single generation. And because Hashem is beyond time, so therefore the Maggid explains that even before the word Tzadikim, there's no such concept as time. So Hashem already has the Tainuk from the Avoida that the Tzadikim would produce in the future and therefore that motivated him to put in the appropriate filtration system of Tzimtzum in order to create the world. So the Maggid continues and explains, if a person's never had a child, you can't begin to imagine what a child is. You can't imagine what it is to be a parent. You can't imagine what the child will be like. He explains, but in the Ebesheh doesn't have this problem. Even before you didn't exist, even before the concept of you didn't exist, the concept is there. The Tainug is already there. It's, a, it, it's bizarre. It's beyond the human capacity to understand because it's not part of our reality. But for Hashem, there's no dis- difference between future, past, etc. And right at the beginning, the first nanosecond of creation, there's already meaning of us. Our avoider, our contribution, our chidush, that's what motivates for the creation of the world. So you might ask the question, what's the point? What are you telling me that I don't already know? I know that Hashem is beyond time, and I know that past, present, and future is all the same for Him. Now the Bir and Dem is, the explanation is far deeper than just that He knows what's going to happen in the future. 
the explanation is what we're saying of here is radical we're addressing a level of elikos which is not only greater than what we experience in this world or even in the highest spiritual world but is greater than being in any way related to the process of creation because it's so infinitely beyond that Logically, it would not make any sense that our reality should have any place in that consciousness. In other words, if there's something that I know through multiple steps, I'll eventually reach that point, then I get it, it could still be in my head already now. But if I'm talking about a level of elikus where the concept, the notion of creation is unthinkable, the chidush is, in spite of that, our reality is nechkak. It's not just that Hashem is conscious of it. Our reality, the fact that we're going to do Torah mitzvahs, is nechak, is ingrained inside that level of elikus, which is completely beyond creation. Yes, it doesn't make logical sense, but that's the fact. So now you're going to ask yourself a question. Okay, so here's something which is so bizarre. You're describing an element of elikus, which is completely beyond the world, which still has nechak inside of it, the reality of the pleasure we'll give to Hashem. How does that influence creation? You're talking about a level of elikus which is beyond influencing creation. So that's the brilliance of this concept. When we say that past and future are irrelevant to Hashem, we don't just mean that He can know things in advance. We mean that there's a reality that will only come about in the future, a future that is so divorced from the current reality, because the current reality of Hashem prior to creation is there's no shaykhus to creation. Creation cannot even be thought of. And yet, David says, beyond that limitation, and therefore, at the level beyond creation, Hashem is acutely and intimately aware of our contribution to Torah mitzvahs to the point that becomes the motivation for creation. Is that something that confuses us? Absolutely. But it's a brilliant, incredible thought because it's saying we belong to a level of elikus which is beyond shaykhus to the thought of a plan of creation. Okay, what could this teach us? So it's got a practical lesson for us, even though it's a very deep concept, which might feel that it's divorced from practicality. So now a person is going to think, look, there's certain elements of my spirituality, my experience, which is, that does something, inspires me, and it's completely beyond and unrelated to anything that I'll do. So the lesson is, guess what? Even if Hashem inspires me out of the blue and I feel, wow, I don't know where that came from and suddenly I've been motivated and suddenly I've been switched on, the truth is it's related to my avoider. Even if it's my avoider still to come because we're beyond time and space. In fact, that's actually alluded to in the way that Rashi Dafka discusses the, princ- the principle that Achidosh HaZelochem is the underpinning of the whole of Torah. Where does he discuss it? Specifically at the point of Bereshis. Why? When Ayid learns about the creation of the world in the first Pasuk in the Torah. That is already Avoida. I've started to serve Hashem. I'm learning Torah. 
over Mele, where through the Mufkiton, a shen in them Indian from Breshis Bora, was is an Indian from Jesus de la Ela canal, even though what I'm learning over here is what Abishta gave me. It's Jesus de la Ela. It's what Abishta did. I'm, I'm reading what Hashem did. It was Chofetz Chesedu. Still, it's already considered Avoidah. It's that the Achedesh Azelachem was vice of the Avoidah from Yaakov Avonov, and I already have the potential to do the Hachoidesh, to have this enthusiastic and fresh approach to Torah learning. And so, right from the beginning, I can already, even if what I'm doing is, so to speak, using Hashem's gift that He gave me, it is automatically connected to my Avoidah, and therefore it's automatically linked into the, poss- the possibility of Achoidesh, of doing it fresh, new, and out of the, so to speak, ballpark of normal, nat- uh, normal natural experience.